Welcome to the Infinite Weird Podcast. My name is Matthew Sherling. It is June 1st, 2020. The last few months have been wild, to say the least. The whole world has changed. And aside from the obvious negative realities happening from illness, illnesses to deaths to economic turmoil for a lot of people, um... It's also been interesting to see how people navigate staying at home all the time. You know, it forces people to reevaluate their lives. What do they really want? What what do I really want? What do I really want for my life? How do I want to spend my time? How do I want to manage my time? What do I do when I'm at my home pretty much all day, every day? And I've been fortunate personally to be able to teach from home online. And that's been honestly pretty great and convenient. And I get to kind of make my own schedule to a certain degree. And uh, it keeps me kind of on point and focused. And uh, I do miss the face-to-face discussions and the organic interactions and uh, things that pop up in class that are hard to replicate through an online platform for sure. Um, But I've been lucky to spend this time with my girlfriend. I imagine what this time would have been like if I would have been by myself. And even though I'm I'm sure I would have tried to spend my time constructively And I would have been productive in certain ways. I also would have been lonelier. And I would have had a a sense of just feeling lost, I think, a lot more. Um, So I'm grateful for my girlfriend. We have been remodeling our apartment a lot. And that's been pretty exciting. We got a new mattress today. And I'm, I'm still adjusting to it because... It is very cloud-like, as advertised and as expected, but that cloud-likeness is very different from my previous horrible mattress that only exacerbated my back pain. Not always. I'm exaggerating, but I don't think it was good for my back. And I read that this mattress is good for the old back especially lower back which is the area that I suffer most if that makes sense um aside from that during this stay at home period I have uh, been reading like a I've been reading like the the 
geek that I am. And I've been reading some amazing books, and I'm very grateful that books exist in general and that these books exist specifically. Um, I've read a few Carlos Castaneda books that have been really interesting. I read The Sacred and the Profane by Mircea Eliade. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. Uh, I reread Toward a Psychology of Awakening by John Wellwood, which I read like 12 years ago for the first time, and I've reread a few times since then, and it's still one of my favorite books that ex- that kind of explore the intersections between Western psychology and Eastern spirituality, uh, specifically Buddhism. Um, and I just finished... Um, the book called In Search of the Miraculous by Ospinsky. That's pretty much all about Gurdjieff. Um, Gurdjieff is somebody that I've heard about for a long time. I've been kind of vaguely drawn to. He is the type of figure that I, that I am drawn to. A 20th century mystic, unconventional, had a big impact on a lot of people, had very... Um, striking ideas, and uh, he was controversial, you know. Some people thought that he was, um, I don't know, I guess a charlatan, manipulative, um, that sort of thing. And, And in the book, In Search of the Miraculous, which just recounts Ospensky's years with Gurdjieff and you know, lays out in great detail uh, the fourth way or, you know, Gurdjieff's um, system of self-development. And it's super awesome. It was, it's an awesome book. It was, I I recommend the book. Um, A lot of Gurdjieff's ideas I really resonate with. And I'm, I'm, you know, writing down quotes and processing the book now, which I've been doing with every book that I've read in my quantum notebook i have a bunch of notebooks right now that's one of them i've been i've had this is my third quantum notebook in the last year or almost well year and few months um and it's super helpful i have i also have a shadow notebook right now and i'm going the first chapter of my shadow notebook is just a list of all of my most pronounced fears. Um, I made a list of all of my most pronounced attachments. Um, I, I've made a list of all the things that I that I grieve. Um, from the past, and I've I've written in detail, kind of all of the dynamics between myself and and my. Uh, closest family you know so I have like tons of pages about my childhood and my relationship with my mom my relationship with my dad my relationship with my brother Uh, now I just did one about my relationship with my girlfriend Uh, all sorts of shadow work you know really digging into my own psychology and trying to uncover what has been overlooked and it's I must say it's been uh it's been challenging but it's been really empowering and it's been healing and 
you know, I hope that I can take what I've learned through the process and integrate that and kind of transform and and find patterns and, and intentions that allow me to transcend my limitations from the past. You know, anything that I've revealed to myself about my fears or my fantasies or my attachments or my blockages or my blind spots um, or, you know, any like complexes I have in any of my relationships or about my own ego or self-image or any of that stuff. I'm hoping that uh, I can kind of like be more skillful in relationship to all those things. So I recommend do your own shadow notebook. It's dope. Um, aside from all that, obviously I, I would feel, um, irresponsible really to not mention the fact that another black man has been murdered by a police officer, George Floyd. I just, uh, watched the, the 10 minute video that New York times put together from all the footage we have and the information we have about the whole situation and it's fucking horrible, you know? That one, I can't even remember the name of the police officer right now. The guy who has been arrested um, for manslaughter. Um, he, I mean, you've seen the video. I don't have to go over it. It's obvious that he killed him and it's obvious that it was completely uncalled for and it seems obvious that it was racially motivated and you know every time this happens I'm both baffled that it continues to happen especially considering I mean considering that for one I, I just I personally just don't understand why somebody can act like that you know I, I really don't I just it's hard for me to understand how somebody can operate that way um so and for a bunch of reasons I'm, I'm baffled that it continues to happen and then another part of me obviously is unfortunately not surprised because we've seen it so many times and it's been happening for so long and you know the reality is, is that a lot of police officers are racist, just straight up, and they abuse their power, and they find excuses, they find excuses to abuse their power, they find excuses to oppress, and in this case, kill people of color for whatever stupid reason that they feel compelled to do that, and so with the pandemic and with that having happened and the riots and the um you know the 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 really intense response from tons and tons of people because of this which obviously you know it's our as somebody I listened to a podcast I listened to called very ape one of the hosts of that podcast named Sean you know he made a point that basically 
all of the the riots happening are are that's our collective immune system you know realizing that something that we don't want has come into our uh, our zone our collective body and we're trying to get it out of there you know and that sort of thing so it's a crazy time 2020 is a wild year for sure um and there's a bunch more I could say about that. There's a bunch more I could say about all the things I've mentioned so far. But let's just keep it moving. Um, it sounds cliche and, and cheesy to say that my thoughts and prayers go out. I don't really know how else to say it. But my thoughts and prayers and... compassion and concern go out my compassion goes out to George Floyd's family and anybody's family who has gone through anything similar and anybody in the whole world who has suffered to any degree from racial discrimination and racist violence So, in this episode, I plan to tell you a story. I'm going to tell you a story about living in San Francisco. I lived in San Francisco from 2010 to 2013. I went to school there. I moved there to go to school for creative writing, for an MFA in poetry. How weird. It was beautiful. A lot of people in my program were super cool. It took a while for me to kind of make friends in the program, but finally I did. Once I started making pro uh, friends in the program, um, I started going to some get-togethers, some parties, some events that I was invited to by some people in my program. So, um, I got my first smartphone in 2011, and shortly after, I was invited to go to a party in San Francisco by one of my friends from the program. The program sounds like some cult. It's just the <laughs> the po the creative writing uh, MFA program at San Francisco State University. So I lived in Berkeley. I lived on the in the East Bay, across the bridge, across the Bay Bridge, um, and I took the BART, the train, from Berkeley to San Francisco one night to go to a party. Yes, I had just gotten my smartphone. I had too much to drink that night. I took the train back to Berkeley. Well, apparently my phone had slipped out of my pocket while seated on the train. So, the next morning after the party, I wake up. I don't feel great. I feel fuzzy. I'm kind of like remembering and piecing together the night before. And I realize I don't have my phone. So I scramble around my room trying to find it. I can't find it. Um, I realize I can use find my iPhone or find my phone app, but obviously I didn't have a phone to use that app on. And I guess I didn't know that you could, you know, use iCloud on your computer, blah, 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 blah. I, uh, get my friend to use her find my phone app and plug in my information so we can try to locate my phone. Okay, so she uses the app. She, reali she realizes my phone is in motion. My phone is moving. 
and it makes logical sense that my phone is on the train, you know, because the train's moving. So over a period of time, I go to the BART website. I try to figure out, I try to think about what time did I take the train last night, you know, and so through staying updated on where my phone was traveling in motion and piecing together what train that it was logically on, I I identified which train it was on. I knew where it was. I knew when that train was going to get to certain locations. I knew when that train was going to get to the nearest train station close to my place. You know? So anyways, I drive to the str- I drive to the train station when I know that the train is going to be coming through there, the train that my phone is on. And by the way, obviously I was extremely grateful that my phone was still alive and was still on even though it had been sitting there all night. That's weird and I'm I'm still I still feel fortunate about that uh because if it was dead, if it was off, I wouldn't have been able to track it. But somehow it still had a little bit of juice left. I go to the train station and I park and I get up there and I realize that that train had just gone by. I missed the train that my phone was on. So instead of driving super fast, trying to like follow the train and track it down, it makes sense that, well, I'll just catch the train once it makes a loop and it comes back to the same spot and I'll just make sure to get here super early. So I do that. Boom. I get on the train about an hour and a half later or whatever, something like that. I get on that train. It's in the middle of the day. It's a hot day and it's packed. The train, every train car is packed and I don't know which train car it's on. I know which train it was on, you know, and it's, I think there were nine or 11 train cars. And so basically I started the first one and it's headed to the airport. So there's tons of people with their suitcases and luggage and it's crowded and people are standing and sitting and I can hardly move around, you know, you know how these things are. So I basically have to ask people to stand out of their seats. I tell them the story, you know, and I, I ask them if I can check underneath the cushion of the seat and underneath the side where if, you know, it could have fallen down that sort of thing. Right. So I'm going through every single train car every, and I know that my, that I sat in the corner seat, but I don't, you know, I don't know exactly which corner, you know what I'm saying? So I go to every, all four corners of every single train car. And I ask the person sitting there to stand up. And so I can look and blah, 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 blah. Obviously it was uncomfortable. It was something that didn't feel good to do. People have to move their huge suitcases and all that stuff. Some people don't even get up for me. If I remember correctly, the whole thing was crazy, you know? Uh, a couple people were really nice and they were like, here, let's call your phone. And so I think I did that, but then I got scared cause I was like, if we keep calling it, then the battery's going to die. And, but you know, at this point, I guess that didn't matter because I was on the train and right. So I go through all four corners of all nine or 11 train cars and I don't find my phone. Then we get all the way to the southernmost train station which is past the airport, you know, the final stop before we start going, we turn around and go back up north or whatever, right? Or Yeah. Uh, and I'm like exhausted and I'm sad. And I asked the train conductor guy, you know, if somebody has turned in the phone 
because again i know it's on this train but i don't know exactly where and he's like he's just doesn't believe he's like nobody's giving me the phone i doubt your phone is still on here and i'm like listen i've been tracking it all day i know it's on here for real you know and so i just kind of like walk away from him and the train has kind of emptied out now obviously and there's not a whole lot of people on the train at this point so I make my way through every single train car again and I realize after a couple different train cars I'm like oh wow there's this other weird little metal thing that I didn't realize that I could that maybe my phone had had somehow fallen underneath this weird it's hard to explain it was like this strange little metal ledge underneath the seat something like that that I didn't quite see before and so I'm like okay this is my last hope I'm going to look underneath that little metal thing of each corner seat and hope that it's there. And you know what? It was. I don't remember. It was like the third or fourth train car that I went through. I find my phone. I yell in joy. A couple older women were there and they were laughing at me and they were happy for me I told them the story um and that's the story of how I uh found my iPhone when I lost it big time lost it and through my persistence I redeemed myself for my foolishness and that wasn't the only time that happened and soon I will tell you another iPhone story but until then, peace out. I hope that uh I hope that you can feel as good as you can during these times and I hope that you can live the most authentic life that you can live so take care of yourself